not quite sure what the last song was right at the end, but um, what a powerful reminder of being made in the image of God. Welcome. Thanks for joining us online and in person. My name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor here. And today we're finishing up our series on the great community, the church. Let me remind you again and again, the church is not a building. The church is the people of God living out the purposes of God. And so when you came here this, this morning, the building isn't what made this church. What we're doing in this building as a community makes us the church. And the great community happens when we live out the great commission to make disciples while practicing the the great commandment to love God and love people will become a great community that reflects this multifaceted wisdom and nature of God. So far over this series, we've talked about surrendering our lives in worship, hearts open to love, eyes up in prayer, knees bowed down in worship, in humility, hands extended in generosity, arms open to diversity, leaning into community. And today we finish on image-bearing with God's creativity. If you're forgetting what we're talking about, there the words are right across the back here. As I've stated every week in this series, Ephesians 3, 10, and 11, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Literally, the heavenly beings look down on the church and go, wow, that is God's wisdom in full display. And this last facet of God's multifaceted wisdom we're talking about is image-bearing with God's creativity. That we will make space for creativity as image-bearers of God. So I want to ask you a simple question as we start here. Who are you? Who are you? If a stranger came up to you today and asked you that question and you didn't think they were too creepy, what would you say to them about who you are? I imagine you'd hear say things like, your name maybe where you're from, the family you are part of. You might talk about yourself as a child or a mother, a father, a grandparent, a student. You might talk about your career. You might talk about what you like, sports, art, gaming, music, being outdoors, reading, some other hobby. You might talk about your gender or some other facet of who you are. And the question, who you are, is actually asking a deeper question, the question of, our, of identity, of who do you see yourself at your core. Now, identity, as described in a technical definition by the American Psychological Association, not a, don't worry, there's not a quiz on this afterwards, it says, it is an individual sense of self defined by A, a set of physical, psychological, and interpersonal characteristics that's not wholly shared with any other person. There's that uniqueness about who you are. And B, a range of affiliations, including ethnicity and social roles. Identity involves a sense of continuity or the feeling that one is the same person today that one was yesterday or last year, despite physical or other changes. Such a sense is derived from one's body sensations, one's body image, and the feelings that one's memories, goals, 
values, expectations, and beliefs belong to the self, also called personal identity. That's a lot of things going on there. But what you see in this definition is that identity is complex. Identity has many different characteristics to it that shape us, and over time, our identity should become more and more stable. That it should be built on all these things that we have and have experienced. What this definition doesn't tell us is if any of these characteristics and factors should be more important than another. For example, should we give equal, equal weight to our body sensations and our beliefs? Should we give equal weight to our feelings as our values? Or should some things really be more important than others? Because the reality is your identity determines your trajectory. What you tell yourself about who you are is going to affect where you go with your life and those around you. So I ask you again, who are you? What is your identity? And when we open the pages of scriptures, from the very first word, we begin to see God forming identity in who we are. We read in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All modern scientists agree that we live in an expanding universe. It is not static, it's not contracting, it is expanding, which leads back to the premise that there is a point in time, in history, where everything contracts to a singular point called, in science, the Big Bang, or in scripture, the beginning. And in that beginning, even though there's different explanations of how that happened. As followers of Jesus, we believe God spoke, and we say it in Latin, ex nihilo, out of nothing, everything came into being. But then it teaches us even more in Scripture that not only did God create, but God created humanity. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God created everything and everyone. But there's only one creation that's made in his image, and that is humanity. There's a story about a group of scientists who got together and decided that humanity had come a long way and no longer needed God. So they picked one scientist to go and tell God that they were done with him. The scientist walked up to God and said, God, we've decided we no longer need you. We're to the point where we can clone people, manipulate atoms, build molecules, fly through space, and do many other miraculous things. So why don't you just go away and mind your own business from now on? God listened very patiently to them and kindly to them. And after the scientist was done talking, God said, very well, how about this? 
before I go away, let's have a human-making contest. To which the scientists replied, okay, we can handle that. But God added, we're going to do this just like I did back in the old days with Adam. The scientists nodded, sure, no problem. And the scientists bent down, picked up a handful of dirt, and God said, "Uh -uh uh-uh, put that down. You go find and make your own dirt. Now the point is not to say that science and God are in conflict because science and God align. The point is to come back and say, people, humanity, are made in the image of God. The verses we just read three times, three times it says God is the one who created humanity. Twice it is repeated in that short verses that we are made in the image of God. The writer of Genesis is making a point through repetition, saying again and again, you are created by God, you are in the image of God. Fish are not created in the image of God. Plants are not created in the image of God. Reptiles are not created in the image of God. Birds are not created in the image of God. The only mammal that is created in the image of God are human beings. Made in God's image, Imago Dei. And three things we can glean from those very first verses in chapter 1 of Genesis in 26 to 28 about humans being made in God's image. The first is human beings are caretakers of creation. Human beings are caretakers of creation. Yes, it says human beings are superior to all other animals and positioned by God with authority to govern, reign, and rule over creation, but it's not a a dictating, destroying creation. Genesis 2.15, we read, God instructs Adam and Eve to tend and care for the garden. This is caretaking of the planet. God created this beautiful planet, and as people made in the image of God, we are meant to care for this planet. Humans are caretakers of creation, not just takers from creation. Second, we see being created in the image of God means both men and women bear the image of God. As one theologian said it, that God did not create woman from a foot that Adam would tread on her or from his head so that she would rule over him, but he took a rib from the side of Adam so that he would have a partner, a co-equal, in co-take in caretaking for creation. Both men and women bear the image of God equally. But that does not mean that they are the same. Galatians 3.28 says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Yes, there's oneness in Christ, but there's still uniqueness. Men and women are not the same. Look around, we see that. There's many differences, biologically, physically, and more, but both men and women equally bear the image of God. You might ask, because of all the cultural things happening, what about intersex people who have some combination of both sexes? Do they bear the image of God, or did God be like, whoa, whoa, surprise, something happened here? No, they are created in the image of God, and they bear the image of God just in the same way 
men and women do. Or as Preston Sprinkle states in his book, Embodied, great book if you want to check it out, though some intersex people bear traits from both males and females, there's still only two sexes, not three categories of sex, male and female. All people, all people bear the image of God. And the third is we are co-creators with God. When God instructs humans to be caretakers of creation, he also gave us a role in procreation. That child, when a male and female come together, that child bears the image of God and bears the image of their parents. If any of you have child, grandchildren, or anything like that, what do you usually hear said about children? Oh, that child looks like mom, looks like dad. Look at that nose, look at those ears, look at that. Whatever it is, we again and again talk about how we see the image of the parents in the child. Why is that? Because children are procreations. They're made in the image of their parents. What we often don't talk about is that how each one of us is given creative abilities to express, express God's creativity in us and through us. God is a creative God, and if we are the pinnacle of his creation, made in his creativeness, we should be able to see creativity in us. Think about history. All of the inventions through all of history bear the creativity of God. From simple stone tools to the wheel to, to engines and cars and planes and ships and homes and fabric, dyes, food dishes. Anytime you are creating anything, you are expressing that you are made in the image of God. Just the other day, we made some chicken soup at home. And all of a sudden, I had this beautiful idea. Like, what if we took ramen and put it in the homemade chicken soup on top of that? So it became like spicy fusion Korean chicken soup. I'm not saying I have great creative abilities, but that was some good soup. And we are created in the image of God. My one daughter is really into fashion. She's really into art, baking, and music, and sometimes she does it all together. She's creative in these areas, and, and so when we walk in our house and there's a new piece of art around, or if there's fresh baked goods in our kitchen, or when she walks out the door and you're like, wow, that is creative what you're leaving the house in. <laughs> what we need to see is that we are created in the image of God. And when somebody is expressing that creativity, it's pointing back to them being image bearers of God. Now you might be saying to yourself, Mark, I don't like art, baking, fashion, or music. Am I still creative? Well, for one, you are unique, just like everyone else. All of us are snowflakes. Just stay humble in your uniqueness. And we recognize that each one of us bears the image of God uniquely. There's only one of you in all of history, and there will only be one of you in all of the future. And there's other ways for creativity to be expressed. Language, written and verbal. 
through the way you decorate your home or through the way you don't decorate your home, through the ways you dress, how you style your hair or no hair. There's creativity everywhere that we do. Even spreadsheets on a computer, designing HVAC systems, architecture, remodeling, plumbing, or more, are all reflections of image bearers of God. When we create anything, when we form anything, we're reflecting the image bearing of our creator. But there's something more. More beyond image bearing and creativity We need to recognize Imago Dei, but we also need to recognize our identity and our identity in Jesus. Back to that question, who are you? Who are you? What goes through your mind when you think about who you are? Last week I talked about ethnic transcendence, that something needs to transcend all of our ethnic identities to unite us together. And same with identity. We need an identity transcendence that, that there's something that transcends all these other things that are part of our identity. We have to be careful that we don't put too much of our identity in one of these lower things Because what happens if we put too much of our identity in something that can change, when it changes, we're going to fall apart. If your whole identity is in how athletic you are and you're injured, your life will begin to crumble. If your whole identity is in your sexuality, when something shifts within that area, your life will become unstable. If your identity is in your intellectual capacity and something causes you not to be able to be at that level of intellect anymore, your life will begin to shake. If your whole identity is in your job, your family, your marriage, your children, your social status, if something in that area begins to fall apart, your life will become unstable. You see this happen when people retire and have invested their whole life in their career and now they don't know what to do with themselves because their identity had been so wrapped up in that one thing. All of these individual areas are part of your identity, but none of them can bear the weight of who you really are as a whole person made in the image of God. The greater identity is that we are made in the image of God. It's not about what we do. We are made in the image of God. And this world is shaking and things are falling apart. And if our identity is in these things, our lives will become unstable. The the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, 26 to 29 says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Friends, this world is shaking, banks are collapsing. Wars are raging, natural disasters are swirling, and if our identity is found in what can be shaken, 
our lives will become unstable. But if your identity is found that you are made in the image of God, you will be okay knowing one day that when all the things that are shaken disappear, we are receiving a kingdom, an unshakable kingdom. So we turn to our unshakable God in an unshakable kingdom, and we worship him as creator and the giver of life, who is the one who is an all-consuming fire, that anything that is not eternal will disappear. So we give him praise and honor and glory above all other things. Your identity, the firmness of your foundation, of what you are building your life on, will determine your trajectory. And when we have our identity firmly rooted in Jesus, we'll both be secure and free to be creative as image bearers of God. And God makes it even more personal. Yes, all of humanity bears the image of God, but only those who say yes to Jesus become the family of God. John 1.12 says, But to all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. God created you and I to be with him. But we chose rebellion. We chose to separate ourselves from God. And because of that, the, I, the image of God was tainted in us, broken in us, as we tried to make ourselves in our own image. So when Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, he came to rescue us from our brokenness and sin, take the punishment that we deserved upon himself, what we just celebrated in communion today. And Jesus came. And he tells us that if we invite, our, invite him into our lives, say yes to him, we not only have a restored relationship with God, we are adopted into the family of God. God begins to restore that broken image of the creator in us. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, why not invite him in today? Say yes to him. And begin to see how he reveals not only that you are made in the image of God, but that we are sons and daughters of a loving Father. I'd encourage you, if you have never said yes to Jesus and you make that decision today, indicate it on a card. Tell me or someone else about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you forward in your relationship with God. And also we'd love to light a light box for you, just identifying the light that Christ has brought into your your life. I love how 1 John 3, 1 states it. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. When you know Jesus, when you have said yes to Jesus... We should have our identity as image bearers of God and family of God take precedence over any other identity. So I come back to my original question. Who are you? Not who am I telling you you are. What is the narrative that plays through your mind? Who are you telling yourself that you are? 
If it's anything less than image bearers of God and the family of God, it will be shaken at some point. So I'd encourage you to come back and recognize that we are image bearers of God, caretakers of creation, co-creators with God. And when we say yes to Jesus, we become family, the family of God. May our identity be found in Jesus as image bearers of God and as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. May you meet with them this morning. God, I'm not in each one of their minds, but I know it's easy to forget who we are and wrap our identity around something else besides you. And may we come back to that firm foundation in you that we bear your image and that we are called to be your family when we say yes to you. I thank you for this and I'm so grateful that we are your image bearers. In Jesus' name, amen.